This episode of the Bar Star Podcast is proudly brought to you by Louisville Music Studios, located at 4220 Trio Avenue in Louisville, Kentucky. Zip code is 40219, and the phone number for booking is 502-693-7462. Louisville Music Studios is awesome. That is where my home base is for my new secret project. And uh, they have been amazing. The staff is amazing. David Payne has worked on a really, really cool concept and brought it to life. Uh, and he is constantly making changes over there. It's an awesome place. You guys need to go check it out because not only is it an awesome place, but they're giving away something for free. David and I had a conversation and he decided to extend our offer with a two-hour minimum. If you call that number for booking to book some rehearsal time, you will get your first hour for free. Free shit. Who doesn't like free shit? We're musicians. Most of us are broke. So check them out. If you have not checked out Louisville Music Studios yet, you need to. Like I've said before, you can go in and rehearse for a couple hours. You can rehearse for an afternoon. You can set up a monthly rental so you can have a home base to work on I don't know secret projects whatever you want to so Louisville Music Studios is awesome you need to go check them out staff is amazing the gear is amazing the room is amazing I love them they love me and uh everything is just sunshine and fucking puppies oh yeah enjoy this episode of the show the Bar Star Podcast is a show full of stories, opinions, and sarcasm. Hosted by a working musician based in Louisville, Kentucky. Wait a second. This guy knows he's a drummer, right? Not an actual musician? Why would anybody want to... Never mind. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Bar Star Podcast. I am your host, Stephen O'Reilly. I want to thank you guys once again for coming back to hang out with my dumbass. I, uh, I appreciate it. I don't know why you keep coming back. Maybe it's because you like me. You really, really like me. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody had a good week. And as always, I hope you guys went out and did some shit. Please take a moment to check out my sponsors, Prophecy Inc., located in the fabulous Highlands, and Louisville Music Studios, located at 4220 Trio Avenue. Go in the shop, mention this podcast, the Firestar Podcast, and you will get 10% off your tattoo by any artist in the shop, and call the number for booking to Louisville Music Studios, and with a two-hour minimum, you will get your first hour of rehearsal time for free. Also, take a minute to go to my website and buy all my t-shirts that are taking up too much space in my garage. You guys are not hearing me on this. I need to get rid of those fucking things. They're in my damn way. And while you're there, make sure you use the link or the front door or the back door if you're into that kind of shit. And go to Amazon. It just helps me out a little bit because Amazon gives me a smidge of a kickback. And when I say a smidge, that's really, really tiny to uh, help fund this show, or in this case, as I said a couple weeks ago, to help promote my tour, or pay for the tour, or whatever, because I gotta go buy some shit. Imagine that, a drummer that needs to buy gear. Anyway, that's all that garbage out of the way. I, uh, I'm i really excited about today's episode. 
It is with my Sabian rep, even though technically on paper he's not my Sabian rep because they divided up all the territories, but he will always be my Sabian rep, and he is also my friend, and he is a one Mr. Bob Rupp. Bob lives in Colorado, and he has a very cool story. He's done a lot, a lot of things, Um, and we talk about his illness, which I actually did not plan on talking about. He brought it up. He's comfortable with it. And that's, uh, that's his thing. But we did talk about his years in the business and all the, just the cool shit that he's done over the years. And all of his, uh, as I call him, his famous drummer friends that he doesn't share with me, whatever, Bob, I see how you are. Uh, but we, we have a really cool conversation. He's got a really cool story of all the shit that he's done in the industry of instruments i mean in the music industry of course but in the industry of retail and and instruments and drums specifically and and especially i mean bob bleeds shits eats breathes sleeps drums it's it's awesome whereas he calls them they're just round things that take up space but bob's awesome he was cool enough to give me some time this afternoon well it's this afternoon to me i don't know when you guys are listening to this hopefully on post day which is thursday which brings me to another point. Squirrel, look at that. Squirrel, I just saw it. Ooh, shiny. You guys are amazing. But in case you don't know, you can get this show on any platform or any app that carries podcasts. Just FY and I. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, which is my home. I'm apparently on Podcast Addict. I'm on CastBox. Uh iHeartRadio, you name it, you can pretty much find me. Or find this show, which I guess the show is more important than finding me. Don't come after me. It's just, I'm really not that cool. That was really lame. I really am that cool. But still, don't fucking come after me. Anyway, back to Bob. Bob has done a lot of things, and it was really cool of him to take the time to hang out with me. Uh, I, I got to go to Anaheim Nam. You, you guys have heard me talk about it before, and that's where the whole Delana thing happened. But Bob was at the Sabian booth. And of course, Stacy and I hung out with him. And Stacy fell in love with him. She goes, I just love some Bob. It's not exactly how she said it, but it's close enough. But anyway, it, it was really cool of him to take the time to talk to me about the 40 plus years he's been in the drumming world, so to speak. He's just a wealth of knowledge. And be forewarned, kids. We do get a little nerdy. We geek out on some drum shit in this episode. So some of this might fly over your head if you're not a drummer. Uh, the drummers that do listen to this show, <clears throat> Ryan Murphy, you're going to fucking love it because we get all techy and geeky. It's great. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in as usual. Tuning in like I'm a fucking radio show. I am just shitting the bed with this open. Anyway, thank you guys for downloads and the subscriptions and for the streams and the reviews and the ratings keep them coming it feeds my ego i need that shit because i'm getting old and uh the youth are taking over and they're they just pop out of the womb with a fucking ego the size of texas it's great but keep that coming but i hope you guys dig this episode i had a lot of fun bob is an awesome awesome human being i know i say that a lot but i tend to try to surround myself with awesome human beings so you will dig this he is responsible for me being a Sabian artist. And for those of you that don't know, that means I am endorsed by Sabian symbols. That's why I will not play anything other than Sabian symbols that, and I love them. And it is all thanks to Bob. Bob took me under his wing, showed me the ins and outs of symbols and symbol making. And I am so glad that he did. 
and it is part of my sound now, thanks to him. So without any further rambling from the face hole that I own, here is my conversation with the one and only, my buddy, Mr. Bob Rupp. Let me turn my phone. God help me. Hold on. It's off. I already hung up on you. Good. Well, I know, but it'll ring. Oh, fair I'm, enough. I'm a kind of a popular guy. You know, so people call me. Are popular. And you're damn cute. Yeah, well, duh. Okay, is that better? Look, right there. Let me take these off. We don't need these. All right, look. Good? You look fantastic. My new saving logo? I know. I love the new logo. I like what uh, um, what Rick posted, too. That was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. I, I, I am ready. First of all, how are you, my friend? How's I'm things good. in Colorado? Are you talking about my medical issues? No. Not unless oh. you want to. I was just asking I, you how you work. I don't mind talking about it. Yeah, I'm great. Healthiest sick guy you'll ever meet. <laughs> I'm great, man. I'm down to 145. You know, I hired a personal trainer. Nice. Me moving and shaking and grooving. You know. Not well. So that's we'll that's so you can we'll, keep playing. We'll do this really quick, and then we'll go, we won't go back to it. I got diagnosed with stage four carcinomic cancer in November 2011. Right. So, sorry, 2015. And so I've been four years in it. I've been the highs and the lows. I've gone through all that. I'm still in chemo every three weeks. Uh, the radiation made my head look like yours. <laughs> I know, right? I know. And, and, and finally, my hair started growing back. Uh, so I'm doing it very well. My hair is about two inches long, which is unheard of. And uh, <laughs> I met you long, I think. And uh, It was long when we first met, yep. A very big struggle I've had to go through, but I'm not afraid of death. Uh, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. So I just, I live my life as normal. I I had 10 brain tumors and multiple wow. cancers throughout my body. Uh, and, you know, I'm doing great. So it's a, nice. beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Well, you, you look good, and you looked great at man when I saw you. <laughs> That's because you dig me, baby. <laughs> I, do, I do dig you, but we, we can't talk about that too much because then no. people think something's going on. <laughs> they'll, they'll get kind of weird. Yeah, a lot. So I'm not going to take up too much of your time because I know it's your day off, and I appreciate you doing this for me. Um, but you have a cool story. You and I have a cool story, how we even met. Um, but you have done a quadrillion things in your life. There has been no grass that has grown under your feet, my friend. I Which forget, is I forgot amazing. A lot of it, but yeah, it's been crazy, man. You know, I I uh, got out of college in '75 with two degrees, one in public relations and one in advertising. Nice. And I I said, screw that. I'm going to play drums in Los Angeles. And so <laughs> I went from I went from Pennsylvania, and I stopped off a brief stop in Michigan to meet a guy uh, who wanted to start a, a rock band. And said he had a record label, which was all bullshit. So I decided to head to L.A. And, uh, you know, I had very little money at that time because you're like 21. You don't have anything. Right. And I, uh, I, I stayed with friends all over the country. 
and my car threw a rod in Denver, and I had one friend in Denver that I knew, and back in the old days, he had to look at their name up with the yellow pages, or the white pages, yep. and lo and behold, right there, he was in the white pages, so I called him, got my car nursed over there very slowly, and <laughs> that's where it all started, you know, and then, uh, you know, years later, I, I toured for many years and all over the country with many rock bands, and... Uh, and then, you know, I started my drum shop in uh, January of uh, two, 2000, uh, excuse me, 1984. That was a fluke. I had worked for a company called Dragon Drums, which right. was a, uh, a uh, you know, we made octobonds, clear octobonds. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then we had gotten a load from Keller shells of uh, disfigured shells. They were crackled, the lack right. of crack. So they sold us like 500 shells. But here's a bunch of young guys. We have drilling machines. We have burying machines. We have all that. But the crackled shells, we couldn't do anything about that. That's why we right. got them so. So that company, uh, that company dissolved, and the family that loaned all the money to the company just called me up one day and said, "You want all these shells?" And I said, "Okay." They just gave me all the shells for free, all the machines for free. And lo and no behold, shit. I'm in the drum business, you know. I this was like 1983, and uh, I had like a air hockey machine, or air hockey table in my backyard uh, in a shed, and so I ran some power back there, and that became my workbench. <laughs> nice. It was perfectly flat, so you could roll finishes, and then I had a uh, you know the uh, edger, bearing age guy, and I do bearing edges on shells and. So I became known as, you know, the guy that can work on drums. But then I was selling these like five piece single headed maple kits for 500 bucks for Christmas. Nice. Know? So that's where I got my start. And then I got my license in January and then, uh, you know, just went forward, man. I had a, I was in my house with a bunch of roommates. It's crazy. And uh, we had all these bands practicing in there. And then my shop was in the back and then in the back of the living room. And so I was only open Saturdays and Sundays, by appointment only. So the oh, rest you were week, you were super custom before custom was cool. You kidding me, man? <laughs> so people had to make an appointment with me to see me. And when they came in, I had these shades I had bought, and I'd pull my shades up, and there'd be like my little stupid uh, five-piece kits I was selling, and as many used kits as I could find. And so it was kind of all over the place. It was very unique. I never thought it, I would make it, but then it got bigger and bigger, and I moved into a 400-square-foot spot, then an 800-square-foot spot, and 1,600, then 2,400-square-foot spot, and then I moved into a, a house that was renovated in retail, and that's where nice. the store, store is still there today. Now, now you it was and you called it Rupp's Drums because it was there forever. I used to see Rupp's Drums in Modern Drummer Magazine all the time when I was a kid. That was great. And see, before that, I was a journalist a rock journalist or one of the local papers. And also I was a television host for a late night TV show in Denver, cable TV, or excuse me, public TV called Teletoons. And I was the on-air music host. And that was five nights a week. I was brought to you right into your living room. <laughs> hey everybody, it's Bob. And, uh, so <laughs> and, and the writing career that I had, I was kind of known in the area already Right, and then, and then when I opened the drum shop, it sort of exploded, and uh, that went for twenty years, 
did really well, won all the awards, you can win in the drum business, met everybody in the world. Because back then, there wasn't like the internet, you know, there wasn't any of that stuff. Right. Where bands had to rely on local advertising, radio, and uh, flyers and shit like that. Right. And so I would get a hold of the band and see them come through. I would get a hold of the drummers and say, look, why don't you guys come by Ruff's? You know, you don't know me, but come by Ruff's, we'll hang out. Right. And, and those relationships from that day still hold on till today. Well, that's one of the things you were telling me at Nam when we were when we were hanging out, even though we weren't hanging too close because it was such a fucking zoo. But right. you were telling me that all the people you would see somebody walk by and go, "Man, I've known that guy for forty years," and it, I think that's awesome because there's not a whole lot of there's not many of those relationships left. If, if that right. makes any I mean, sense, the deal is, I mean, back then people wanted to go to drum clinics. Right. Uh, drummers wanted to come into your store and meet famous drummers. Right. So I brought in guys like Shulman. No one ever heard of Mark Shulman. Uh, Virgil Donati. Uh, obviously, everybody knew who Carmine was, so I bring I brought in Carmine all the time. But you know, a- anybody I could get my hands on that were driving through Denver, they could pull up in the parking lot. We had bus parking. The band could stay there and sleep. Drummer would come in and shop, hang out. And then those relationships still go today. Uh, and now we're into that. Remember that time? Remember that time? We're, we do all that yeah. now. Uh, oh, yeah. But those were fantastic days. You know? Well, it, it's it's funny because thanks to you, I met Carmen at NAM in this past January. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. Which was awesome because I was standing there and... and uh, you, you looked at me and you went, "Would you Would you like to meet Carmen?" I said, "Yes, yes, Bob, yes, I would." <laughs> yes, Daddy. <laughs> yes, Daddy, I would like to do that. <laughs> uh, he was the first rock star I met. I was a journalist, and the paper sent me out to review the show. Of, it was uh, Carmine and Rick Derringer, uh, Tim Bogart, and uh, oh, that was it—the three of them. And they did a show at the Rainbow Music Hall, which is now defunct. That was a huge, famous hall in Denver. Right. And so I got to the show. I went backstage to the trailers, and I walked up to Carmine, and I said, you don't know me, but I'm Bob Rupp, and I'm a big fan. And so I interviewed him. I knew everything about his career up to there, everything. And so when I walked out the door, and there was the other journalists from the competing newspapers there, they would walk up to Carmine, and they say, he, Carmine said, Go talk to Bob. <laughs> he knows more about my career than I do. And so, such close friends, and he used to stay at my house when he came to Denver. And his fourth wife, uh, I was a very close friend of mine from Denver, so I was kind of involved with her, you know, knowing her very well and them. And it was just great, you know. Uh, and that's when he was like really, he had all these great new bands, you know, uh, right. that were coming out of the zone. And, uh, but he's, he's still out there, man. That guy's still slugging. Now, he he left Sabian a few years ago to go to Istanbul, and I was designated to call him by Robert Zilton, said, call Carmine, find out what's going on. And, you know, Carmine just wasn't happy with this anymore. That's okay. I mean, people leave, you know. He's still right. my friend. And then he called me last year and said, look, I want to come back. I said, fine. So we arranged it uh, with me and Chris Stanky, our artist relations guy, and our president, Andy Zildjian. Uh, we arranged for him and his brother to come back, and everybody's happy, you know? Nice. No, that, that's really cool, because I, I, I keep up with the industry 
halfway. I, I should probably keep up with it more. Um, and for those of you that don't know, I am a Sabian artist. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, hey, I, but I got you away from Pisty. You did, and we will we will dive into that, sir, because I yep. that is. I, I tell many, many people that, but I, I don't keep up with the industry like I should, but it was one of those things when Carmen left uh, Sabian, I went, what the hell? What, why? Because my ride is the Carmen uh, signature Carmine. ride. Carmine. Is it Carmine? Okay. Carmine. Sorry. Okay. That's right. So my ride is the Carmine signature ride, and I love that ride. And my first yeah. thought was, shit, something happens to that ride. I can't get another one. <laughs> well, we can always make you one, you know. But he came back, which was cool. Yeah, yeah, it was great. He called me. Like, he, we've always been good friends. Like, dare I say, very close friends. And Vinny as well, his younger brother Vinny and I are great friends. Right. So when Carmine had called me and told me, you know, I, was I upset? No, because people want to leave, they can leave. Robert Zildjian, the boss at the time, was really upset because they love, he loved Carmine. So Carmine had told me over the phone. And then... Uh, I was playing a gig in Ventura, California with my band. My band was called the Mighty 18-Wheeler at that time. We live in Denver. Right. So we got this gig at Ventura Fairgrounds. It was kind of like a, a 90s throwback gig. And we were kind of that. We were kind of hard rock, but kind of glam. And it was like all these headline acts. Uh, the names escape me right now, but a bunch of acts in that era. Right. And so I was, getting, I was setting my drums up. It was a rental, you know, backline kit. So I'm setting them all up and tuning them up and hanging my own. So I brought my own cymbals. And my phone rings, and it's Finney at the gates. <laughs> and they didn't know who he was. They didn't know who Black Flap was. We're talking young people here, you know? Right. And so I said, Vinny, you've heard of, like, contacting me, right, before. He goes, I'm out here. So I had to get off the throne, run out to the front, get him in, run back up, sit down, and count four and go. <laughs> 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 you, you're in Black Sabbath. You understand guestless. <laughs> you know how these things work, man. What is it? <laughs> that was so funny. Because even the promoter kid that was putting it on, he didn't know who Black Sabbath was. He was young. He was in his 20s. I'm like, wow. this guy's Black Sabbath. Who? <laughs> oh, so that's so, so sad. We hung it's out. So we, had a, we had a great time. We hung out. He, he'd never really seen me play. So I made, I made sure I brought, my, I brought the show. You know, <laughs> nice. Well, it was a long time before I saw you play, and I still haven't seen it in person. I've just got to see it through videos. Yeah, the videos you see are from like 1990s and stuff. You know, like I haven't posted anything. Well, maybe recently, my band last year, we did a 700 seat show that was sold out, and someone shot a video. We didn't. Um, right. Everything that I put up right now on Facebook is stuff that people send me from the audience because I'm not. I don't. You know, I'm not carrying around a video camera. You know. Right. No, and and I get that. When did you, I don't want to say start playing, but when did you figure out that drums were your thing? February uh, 14th, 1964, Beatles, Ed Sullivan. Ah, all right. Whatever the date was, maybe it was the 19th, but Beatles and Ed Sullivan uh, were shockingly good for that era. Right. Shockingly. And no one my age, I was, I was probably seven Something like that, seven years old when that hit. And like many boys my age, uh, you know, Sh uh, Shulman will talk about this. All the other drummers talk about this. That, that was, I call it the lightning strike. Everybody has a lightning strike in their life that makes them go a different direction. That oh, was absolutely. My, my lightning strike that hit the ground 
and blew me up, and I'm <laughs> going to be a drummer. So nice. I started taking drum lessons at school, uh, basic, you know, paradiddles and, and all that. And um, at 10 years old, I got my first kit. Nice. And let me say to your listeners right now, young or old, there is nobody more important to the music scene than the Beatles because they laid the groundwork for what we all walk on today. They I would had, agree with that. They changed the world overnight, and all manufacturers like Ludwig, Slingle and Rogers, Zildjian, uh, Fender, Gibson, uh, Epiphone, uh, everybody had to go work overtime to produce instruments for all the young people that wanted to buy drums, guitars, cymbals, uh, whatever it was, bass. Right. So uh, that's when the whole world changed, 1964. Uh, I've talked to Ludwig many times about this because I'm friends with the old man before he died. And right. he would tell me, like the day after, orders started coming in for the Ringo kit. And they, what the hell's that? They had no idea what it was. Ringo just happened to... <laughs> Put the, make sure that Ludwig head was still on the front head and put the Beatles under it. And, the, you know, and that, that finished the Oyster Black Pearl. Man, that was like unbelievably popular. I've got two of those kids upstairs. And uh, so that was it for me and a billion other boys out there and women too, and girls too as well, that they wanted to play. And uh, that was it. I, I, I made it through school with honors. I always had a band. Even when I was 10, I had a little band in my basement. Nice. And I graduated college. I went to school for a percussion degree, but then I realized that with a percussion degree, you're going to be teaching school again. I don't want. They want to do that. That <laughs> program. And I played drums uh, in all the local bands in that area of Northern Pennsylvania at the time, and uh, had some success. You know, we had some regional single, whatever. And then when I moved out here, I had nothing. Didn't know anybody. Denver. They hooked up. I used to just go to the clubs where all the musicians were hooked up and became the drummer in all these local bands. And some of them had done really well, you know. Nice. Very cool. So when you, and I'm trying to remember this because you had told me this before, you sold Rupp's drums and got out of it. And that's when you went to work for Sabian, correct? Or am I wrong on that? uh, Yeah, in a roundabout way. Rupp's drums was really successful, first off. It was giant. Right. And we were one of the biggest ones in the country. Uh, I had a really good business plan that, you know, every customer buys something. You don't turn a customer away. Right. And back then, there was, there was some competition, but when the six guitar centers opened around me, then I felt the loss of peripherals, sticks, heads, cymbals. I forgot. I, I lost all that. So my right. numbers were down. So, uh, and then I got audited by the IRS in 2002. The IRS just came in out of nowhere and did the full onslaught order of my books, everything. And luckily, I kept receipts for everything. I kept right. receipts, all the gig money I made, the hundred bucks in the weekend, whatever it was. I wrote that, wrote all that off. So they couldn't beat me. It took 13 months of my life to produce every piece of paper that they wanted, and I did. And finally, after 13 months, I said. You've got to take me to court because I'm not going to do this anymore. You can't touch me. Legally, I was set up where they couldn't touch me anymore. I had a really good attorney. Right. um, You can't touch me, and, uh, you know, I'll see you in court. Wow. They settled because they knew they couldn't win in court. 
Well, what what did they come after you for in the first place? Well, they they thought I was hiding $180,000, but they didn't figure that there's a thing called state sales tax, you know, (laughs) and $180,000 was the sales tax I had generated in that year, whatever it was, the 2002 year, 2001 year, that had gone right to the Denver government. Right. So we got all the way down to like that, where you still have this. I said, that's the fucking sales tax. What's wrong with you? Did you look at the forms? And they said, oh, yeah, you're right. We're sorry. Oh, crazy, man. Wow. They they went after everything, man. I had sold a motorcycle one year. Like, where'd this one come from? The motorcycle sale. It's in the books there. So um, I got fed up and thought, well, if this is what it means to be retail in America and a place I love, uh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I want to go to work for a company that takes the taxes out and uh, gives me a good salary. So I took about a year and a half off, I think, about that. And I just kind of wanted to chill, you know. Right. And then uh, I decided it's time to get back to work. And so there was only three companies I wanted to work for. DW, because they have the, they make like the best drums. I mean, beautiful drums, you know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, DW, oh, there's four. DW, Ludwig, Vic Firth, and Sabian. That's the brands I play. Right. Uh, so I, you know, I, I have DW kits. I have Ludwig kits. Ludwig snares, DW snares. That's all I play. Um, so I uh, decided it's time to get back to work. So I met up with Chris Lombardi from DW in New York City. I moved to New England for a while. I bought a house on the ocean, and Chris Lombardi was going to be in New York. So I went down and met with Chris Lombardi, one of my closest friends. Right. He, he owns DW. And so I've known Chris since he was just 17 years old. And I said, dude, I really want to work for you. He goes, I don't have a place for you. What am I going to do? I said, I don't know. Hire me. I'll do something. He goes, I don't have, I don't, I don't have, I don't have any room right now on the roster. And Hire me. I'll do something, anything. anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then Vic first said, I don't have room for you. I've already, he goes, I've already got Marco. Do you know Marco? Marco Ciccoli? I don't know him personally. Oh, I've, I've heard that name. The crazy Italian guy, kind of like me a little bit. And he goes, I've already got one Marco. What am I going to do with two Marcos? I said, okay. <laughs> but then I started, since I was living near Sabian in Maine, I was meeting with Andy Zilzen constantly, and then Dan Barker, who was our president, and Bob Zilzen lived right up like two or three miles up the road from me where I, I bought a house in Maine. So Bob gotcha. would come down and have drinks at my house. Vic Firth would come up. It was just a very magical moment. Um, but they didn't have anything for me, so I said, screw it. The winters in Maine were brutal. I couldn't stand them. So I sold the house, made a few bucks, and decided to come back to Denver. So on the way back from Maine to Denver, driving back, uh, Sabin calls me and says, we have a job for you. No shit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dudes, I just left Maine, man. I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a, uh, an East Coast rep job, which I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I've already, I've, I'm gone. So I'm going back to Denver. Then I was like, what the hell am I going to do? So Sabian called again. No, no, I went to work for KMC, Command Music. Yep, yep. Went to work for Command uh, as the Gibraltar Rack Factory Specialist. <laughs> nice. And, you know, I, I had to design racks. 
and put racks together and do I did a whole tour of me on the road doing racks for stores and I developed this one rack which I called the low rider today it's called the stealth it's oh I know exactly what you're talking about yep I spent hours on that in my living room cutting pipes and putting all that together and and I don't own the rights to it because they work for me and like you know whatever but I put this thing together that was just like off the ground you couldn't see any symbol stands all the symbols came up like trees everything was low and nice and uh, I said this you is did called, that I said this is called the lowrider and they said that's oh we love it but we're gonna change the name to stealth and I said I don't care and all I got out of that was a free a free lowrider rack <laughs> <laughs> but I worked for the company and they owned everything I did put together and that was okay but then Sabian Andy Zildjian saw the work I was doing because when you leave, when you leave retail to go into not wholesale but manufacturing for a big vendor, yeah, whatever it is, it's a whole different world, and you have to really adjust to what they're doing. And so right. a lot of guys don't do it. A lot of guys they got they they try and they fail. Um, because I'm a workaholic, I'm sort of a go 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 optimistic guy. I went right into Sabian with Guns Malarian, man, and they're like, shit, this is wonderful. So uh, Andy hired me to be a key account manager initially, which, right. meant, which meant I helped, I, ha I handled Guitar Center. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I was moved into a uh, Midwest account manager, which was uh, where I met you. Yep. Right? And then they moved me into... Uh, where I'm at now, which is a uh, product and training specialist. Gotcha. That's what I do now. I go all over the country and train on the product, train on the history, train on the differences between us and all the other brands, uh, and then uh, do trade shows, either the NAMM show and uh, Chicago Drum Show, all those drum shows I do with my own booth. You know. Nice. Well, that's that's because you're the man, and you are a workaholic. I've I've noticed that about you. Right before I got sick, Sabian had put me into this category of product and training specialist. Right. Which meant it took a lot of pressure off me because I was handling Guitar Center again, mm -hmm. and that's a big account. That's a, that's a lot of work, and so I was in and out. I'm still in and out of the hospital. That's a daily thing, but it was a, you know, I couldn't do my job properly and then go to the hospital or vice versa. Right. So I'm better better place for me right now it's great nice well when you when you met me it was the during the sabian vault tour and i don't even remember the year because it was a long time ago because i hadn't been up here that long at the time i mean i've been in louisville for 12 years now but when we met i want to say it was 10 years ago maybe i mean that's very likely 10 years ago uh yeah i i can't remember dates sometimes it's because my, my oh my pride you know Right. Well, my, my date memory is horrible. Not because my brain's fried. I'm just kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to bring that up later, but now we've gotten through that, so we'll get beyond that. Yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, so, see, we're doing this great Sabian event at the store. What was the name of the store again? Mom's Music. That's right. Mom's. I'm sorry. Yeah, Mom's. Yep. We had a Sabian day there. It was really good. Uh and so we, Steve and I got to know each other. I think we had dinner a couple of times after that. And, we did. Um, and uh, you're like, I played Pisces. I'm like, why? <laughs> Listen to the symbols over here. And I told you how Pisces was made. Pisces more. I'm not knocking Pisces at all. They make a lot of great symbols. Oh, they and do. Some of the symbols, like 
I can't, I'm not going to say the brands, but some of them are more rigid and easy to fracture uh, mm -hmm. because of how they're made. Ours are all made, you know, by us, and we melt the, we melt the uh, bronze and, you know, blah, 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 uh, make them. But theirs are, they're kind of pressed symbols. Right. More like a machine shop. And so I was telling you, dude, get these and these and these. And you, you did. bought those, right? I did. Still play them, right? I do. You, it, it, it's really cool because it was when you were there, you and I hit it off. And then I, I, I went home because you had seen my video that they had playing in the store at the time. And I went home and, and Ryan Murphy, the, the drum shop manager at the time, he texted me. He goes, where are you? And I said, I'm on my couch. Why? He said, we're all at dinner and Bob Rupp wants to know where you are. And I went, I thought he was just being polite when he asked me to come. I didn't think he really wanted me to come to dinner. Oh no, man, that's a, <laughs> dinner is probably the, probably the better hang in the afternoon, that's for sure. Oh, know? well, I know that now. <laughs> <laughs> but you but you were still cool and you you took me under your wing and you taught me all about Sabian and, and the differences and not that one's better or worse than the other because it's not about a it's now, not a missing contest. Everybody makes a great product. Absolutely. Also, it's I have a great product. Um it's yeah, it's a, not about a pissing contest at all. No, we never look at it that way. We yeah. always give. Pisces makes the best sheet symbols. Uh, we make the best cast symbols mm -hmm. because how we're all hand done. Everything we do is hand done. Yeah. So that's how good it is. That's the quality of the symbol speaks out. Uh, and we do custom work. Like this, I'm playing my Bob Rupp custom ride right here. It's called the Rupp ride. Nice. You just hit it. They designed this for me. I have this in hand hammered. I have it in AA. This is an AA. I have it in 24 HHX. Whoa. 22 HHX. I mean, it's nuts. But That's huge. I have certain symbols that Mark Love knows the sounds I like. No matter what symbol model they pull for me, they're all going to be consistent. Right. I like I like the three blind mice theory of tuning because I'm very I'm very sort of caveman. Three blind mice. Da, 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 yep. da, da. My yep. drums are the same way. Da, 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 da. Um, it's simple. That way you can get any drum set you're behind, and with, as long as you know how to tune a drum set, right. you can make it sound like you instantly. You get behind a rental kit and you go, this sucks. Da, 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 da. Just get it tuned in, yep. and you're going to sound like you. No, that's that's true. I know a lot of guitar players talk about gear in their tone and their amp, and and I have many friends that are like, man, the tone is in your fingers. Yeah. So it's it, it's it's kind of cool, but there's a lot. There's still a lot of truth in it. I mean, if you've got the wrong guitar or if you've got the wrong kit, you better know how to tune it. But the cool part about you not only taking me under your wing and, and teaching me about Sabian, obviously now that I am a, a Sabian artist, thank you again. Um, it's <laughs> Yay! It is, one hand uh, clapping. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cool part is I like it a lot better. The adjustment period was weird because Peisty being so brittle, and I, everybody that knows me personally knows I'm I hit hard. But yeah. Peisty being so brittle, it was when I went when I switched, it was almost like I was I felt like I was playing through the symbol. And That's it caused me to do. Right. I mean, through in a bad way, though, like I was trying to destroy it. Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm 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 playing through it correctly, but it caused me to pull my hands back and my dynamics got better when I switched to Sabian. 
Thank you. Well, uh, here's what happens with your ear, and this means drums, guitars, cymbals, basses. Your ear gets attuned to a certain sound that yep. defines you. Okay, with yep. I, I found my sound. These are my cymbals. And then every time you hit another cymbal, unconsciously, you're comparing it to the sound on your kit. Yep. And that's guitars, basses, and everything. So for me, I have a sound. You know, I have all, all my drums sound exactly like me. They don't sound like Ringo or John or Ray or, or uh, Todd or anybody. My drums right. sound like me. And yep. uh, I don't, I don't want to sound like somebody else. So I pitch my drums, no matter what kit it is, they all have a, a big, a, a big, you know, you know, uh, a nice. No, I like the I like the pitch deep. You notice there's no high toms on me. I like right. low, low throaty. So that's me. All my cymbals are pitched that way as well, and so my cymbals and drums are pitched almost identically. Um, but that just comes from having a good ear and being in the business for a long. But if yep. you go, anybody out there that's listening to this, if you, uh, you know, change cymbals or upgrade, they are going to sound different to you. Cause oh, absolutely. Ears, your ears have gotten used to that sound, whether it's a B8X or, a, you know, low-end minor or whatever it is, your ears are used to that. Now, as you grow as a performer or a drummer, um, you, you start hearing better because you know what to listen for now. And with drums, as your drums get better, different woods will shape that tone for you. Yep. Uh, I believe in maple. Some guys believe in mahogany, whatever. I don't care. But for me, I can pitch a maple drum set exactly to sound like me. And you need the right heads, too. Right. You know. No, I, I, it depends on what rig it is. Um, but most of the time, I go to uh, the EC2s. Evans yeah. EC2s. And then on my ki on all my kick drums, it doesn't matter. Because I've uh, got four rigs now five rigs i sold three or four of them but they all have the uh i have it a brain fart the emad 2 on all okay. my kick drums let me explain to you something about the heads yes and i'm going to teach you something here young man uh Te EMAD, teach me old old sir yeah right <laughs> <laughs> okay what's happened over the years is that a lot of drummers, I'm not saying you, but a lot of drummers have lost and have no idea how to tune and tension their drums. Right. So I'm old school. I'm from the 70s, whatever, grew up in then. Back in those days, those great phenomenal drum sounds you heard on records that people are trying to recreate today mm -hmm. were just drummers going into the studio and pitching their drums to proper notes that worked within the studio confinement. Yep, and they were tuning their rigs. Yeah, and so meaning they would tune in to the mics in the room uh, or ambient sound. John Bonham was all about ambient sound. So mm -hmm. was Ringo, ambient sound. So I started studying that years ago, and I what I have learned, and this is just me, it's not you, it's not anybody else. For me, I like no bass drum muffling at all. That way you get the full sound of the shell. Yep. When you put a, a muffling head on the batter side or the front head, mostly the batter, you lose the sound of the drum because you spent all this money on a beautiful shell, and then you put a lot of muffling on the bass drum head. Well, you lose a lot of that tone. So my drums, no muffling, power stroke three Remo, 
on batter and front. Yep. It's a, a little hole in the front to let the air out. So I don't put any pillows, none of that stuff on my drums because you get the the real ambient sound between the heads and the shell. I don't know what that sounds like to you, but back here it sounds great. Yeah. All, my, <laughs> all my bass drums sound like that. I have Ludwig kits here. I have other stuff. They all sound like that. Then my toms are pitched properly where the heads are almost in parallel tuning. They use yep. uppers, almost in parallel. And then I tighten the bottom head up with just a smidge to get that decaying sound that dies off quickly. I don't know if this is in tune. Pretty close. So that's tuning. You People need to really study tuning uh, because that's the relationship between the heads and the wood and you. Oh, I agree completely. When, when I was teaching, that was one of the things I used to harp on my kids about. And I, I learned how to tune almost quicker than I learned how to play weirdly but the re and i don't run anything in my kick drums at all and all my kick drums are 24s except one of them um because i like a big kick but the reason i went to the emat 2 yeah exactly the reason i went to the emat 2 is i kick ridiculously hard and i found that no matter what combination of head i used because i won't put a pillow or anything in my kick drums no matter what combination of head i used there was that annoying bong it was almost so low that nobody else would hear it, but I heard it and it drove me batshit. And then when the EMAD 2s came out, I tried one. I said, all right, I'm going to try this and I'll use the thinnest little styrofoam ring they have in it. And I was hooked ever since because it got rid of that tiny bong sound. What do you have on the batter side? Oh, on the batter side of my kick? EMAD 2. On the front, it I'm depends. Sorry, I'm on, sorry, the resonant side. Resonant side. Uh, the resonant is usually... Uh, the uh what is it the eq3 i think the that the i think it's the middle the middle thickness it's an eq3 but on my gretsch rig um which you've seen pictures of my pretty gretsch rig on that rig i put a uh even though i'm not a remo guy again there's nothing wrong with them but i put the remo calfskin because it looks really good against that blue oyster um but that that head was a little bit thin so i did i did cheat a little and i put a smidge of muffling against that head just to get a, away from that bongy sound. Here's what I'd recommend. Get the Evans version of the Power Stroke and just try that. Get what, it to the Evans version of the Remo Power Stroke. Okay, I'll, I'll look what, for it. I don't know what that's called. One of my best friends who lives right here in my neighborhood works for Evans. So oh, nice. We're always, we're always talk, I, I'm a Remo player, but I have played Evans. I think they're great. I don't knock them, but get the Evans version of the Power Stroke and just for the afternoon, put that take the EMAT off and put that on, mm -hmm. and just get attention right to your front head and see what you think. You might be surprised. I'll definitely check it out because I switched to the EMAT two so long ago. I don't even know what else is out. I mean, I you know, and I did have uh, some muffling years ago in some of my drums. But I was experimenting one day, and I I just put power strokes on and always I cut a small hole because I want the air to get out. And, and, and plus, I'm going to put a microphone in there. Yep. Man, it was like a huge difference. Like my band was like, oh, my God, what's that? I said, a new head. And so I, <laughs> and so I, I, that's all I play. The power stroke for pretty on the kits. And then I use emperors on the tops and ambassadors on the bottoms. You know? Right. I've had really good luck with, with almost all the Evan stuff I've I've used and I switched to Evans. I don't even remember when it's been so long ago. And it was one of those things that I personally noticed Evans out of the box. Sounds amazing. You they stretch do. them for an hour or two and yeah. you're good to go. And Remo's, then, 
and then they 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 break. Yeah. And then the the thing with Remo is to me out of the box Remo sound like shit. You're right. A month later they sound fantastic. But I think the reason I made the switch is because because I hit so hard and I don't hit as hard as I used to, but I still hit pretty damn hard. It was waiting that time for the Remos to settle and seat properly and to get that tone I wanted was driving me batshit because I would go play and my drums would sound like garbage. Yeah. And it and it just it it irritated me to no end. And somebody I again I don't remember who it was or when it was, somebody said, Hey man, have you tried Evans? And I went, What the hell are Evans? I didn't even know. Because when I was coming up, it was Remo. That was it. Remo, Sildjian, or Pisces. That was it. It didn't even matter what the drums were. Well, but Chick Evans uh, invented the hydraulic head years ago. That was a guy named Chick Evans. I knew him. out of I think it was out of Kansas City or something. But he invented the hydraulic head. The, the oil-filled hydraulics, well, the yeah, early ones? And that, and that was a big deal. I played him for a while. Uh, and then uh, and then D'Addario fought Evans and you know, I got him up to speed, you know. Mm-hmm. So here's a great story. Exactly what you just said, I was gonna say right now. Is nice. that I went on tour uh, right before NAM, I would I would tour with one of my rock bands and mm-hmm. play all over the West Coast, end up at NAM, leave NAM and play all the way back. You know, do like twenty dates or something. And gotcha. so I had always played Remo uh, Emperors and Decided to try Evans. I didn't. I used my Remo bass drums heads because I knew they sounded great. Right. I, I put all Evans heads with my drums, and right out of the gate, oh my God, they sounded good. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Yep. Two weeks into the tour, playing every night, they had just flattened. They were just gone. Yep. They, they, you know, I'm not knocking Evans. I like Evans drum heads, but their uh, their elasticity was terrible. Man, they just flattened and I couldn't get I couldn't pitch him so we were playing at NAM. we were doing a show outside of NAM, and I quickly put all my Remo heads back on my drum set so yeah. <laughs> so great story I was out one of those nights at NAM with uh, Dennis Chambers who's an Evans artist and uh, I think it was one of the Diodario brothers that runs it I don't, I'm not sure which one it was and right. we're having dinner with I think Andy Zilzman was there or somebody else was there and I was talking to the guy I said look you know, I'm I'm from Rupp's Drums. If you know, maybe you don't know me, I'm from Rupp's Drums. You know, I sell a lot of your drum heads. So on this tour, I took all my Remos off and put Evans on the e- equal thing of Evans. I said for two weeks they sounded amazing and they just flattened right out. They just went flat and I couldn't pitch them again. He he's you know what he said? Nothing. What? Nothing. Not a word. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. And I went. This is one of your biggest retailers in the country telling you that this head just flattened out. And, uh, you know, and uh, he, he didn't say anything to me. So, all right, well, whatever. So we still continue to sell Evans, obviously. But I never put an Evans hands on my kid again after that. Huh. Never. Now, here's a professional drummer on tour selling their product, knowing about their product, and telling him what I found in the field. Right. What are you gonna do? Well, I, I have a I have a slightly similar story, not as cool as yours, but the principle is the <laughs> same. I uh, I played Promark for almost twenty years. Yeah, I played you, the I, I, you you as well. Nice. Yep. Well, I played uh, I played the natural because I'm a 
this is gross, but I'm a big sweaty bastard. Okay, I'm a medium-sized sweaty bastard. But anyway, I like the natural. I don't like the gloss finish. I don't like any of that stuff. Yeah. So I played them, and then Diodario bought Promark a few years ago. And I, I went and, like I'd normally do at the beginning of the month, I went and bought a brick. Uh, I had a bunch of shows coming up. I was like, all right, cool. I'll just go buy a brick. One gig, I broke the entire brick. And I went, okay. I hit hard, but this is a little ridiculous. I got a bad batch, whatever. Went back, ordered another brick, had another gig like a week later. Same thing. I broke almost the entire brick at the gig. So I start doing some research and figure out the Diodario bottom and kind of redid all their tooling and remanufactured all the way they, they make all the sticks and stuff. So I switched. I switched to Vader because they were the only other company that made a, a nude model. This is called the nude. It's a natural. Yeah. They don't have any gloss on it. So fast forward, I go to NAM in Nashville and I go to the Promark booth and I said, hey, man, I don't know who it was. I don't couldn't tell you who it was. I said, hey, man, this is what happened. What's the deal? Same exact thing. He looked at me and goes, oh, I'm sorry. We might have some of the some of the old manufactured naturals back in our warehouse, and I was like, "Dude, seriously? That's 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 what you're gonna tell me? Like, I've probably paid the mortgage on at least one of your houses just because right. I bought so many damn sticks over the years. You're right, and, and that's what you're gonna tell me. So, same same principle. It was just, oh, I'm sorry. That's all he had. It pissed me off. I just switched to Vader. Here's my new Vader stick. It's got my, I don't know if you can see it, but it's got my logo on it. Oh, very cool. Yeah, wait, hold on. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Oh, I think they're upstairs. Anyway, so I was playing Vic Firth for almost 30 years, 25 years. Right. And I, I, I used to go golfing with Vic Firth and Bob Zildjian. And so Vic Firth, oh, let me get it here. It sent me, I told him what kind of stick I wanted, and he sent this to me. It's basically a metal, big first metal stick or whatever. We used to name. call those, we used to call those the matchsticks because they were the for years they were the Tommy Lee signature stick. I remember they, those. They are, so but they it says Bob Rupp Rupp's pups on it. So Vic <laughs> and I, Vic and I were golfing one day. Nice. I brought, I brought my new girlfriend with me, who had, uh, you know, what I'm talking about. And oh, so yeah. uh, he goes, oh damn, Rupp, those are some nice pups in that girl of yours. <laughs> And so, all of a sudden, in the mail, I get like two bricks of, of this. Uh, and this has the red tip, but mine had the purple tip on it. Okay. A special oh, nice. custom purple tip. They had to take the tips and put them in Wells, uh, some kind of grape juice dye, and, and come out purple. Anyway, beside the point. So, I was playing these for years, and I still love them. They're long, they're 17 inch. When I grip properly, the stick does all the work. All I have to do is aim it, you know, yeah. control it. So um, when when Zildjian bought Thick Fur, I was like, oh, damn. Because, you know, I, I work for Sabian. Yep. And, I, and so uh, when they started coming out with, like, their, the, the MAM show logos, Zildjian Thick Fur, I was like, you know what? I can't play these anymore because they're too aligned with my competition. Fair so enough. I, ca I called... Uh, uh, what's his name up at Zildjian? Oh, I forget his name. Um, Paul. And I'll remember his name, but I called him and said, look, I hate to be a drag, but I'm leaving. And uh, because I, you're so aligned with Zildjian, I work for the competition. I can't do it. Now, the drummer, the rock star drummers that play, you know, uh, Zildjian sticks, the same, it doesn't matter. 
for right. me, I'm, I'm employed by Sabian. They yep. pay my paycheck. So I started looking around, and I, I knew the Vader guys for years and years. I went over to see them. I said, look, I, I need a stick. I want 17 inches long, which is the 1A. I, I thinned it out. At the, mine were two Bs. Yep. But the older I got, uh, and because of my health conditions, it was harder to control 2B. So I, right. went to, I went to, like, it's probably a 5B or something. But I, I have a, I can't find, there's a great logo I designed for them, and they're on my sticker. I think they're upstairs. But that's what I went to, and I've been really happy. I haven't broken any of them. I used to break my Vicks, you know, once a week I'd snap a snick. Right. These, these are great, but I'm not gigging as much as I used to, so i got to skew that into it as well. You know? Well, yeah, that, I mean, that, that definitely um, plays a factor in it. But it, believe it or not, because I don't even know if you know this, I play five A's. Wow. I know, right? Those are like pencils, man. You know? <laughs> pencil. That's what everybody tells me. There, Everybody goes, dude, as hard as you hit, why the hell do you play five A's? And it's simple. I can't do all that showboaty garbage that hooked you. Like, I can't do any of that stuff with a bigger stick. Hey, hold on. That- my uh, my, my uh, laptop battery is going to die. Mm-hmm. Can you put this on pause and I'll go get my charger? Actually, just let it run. If you got enough minutes to let it run, just let it run. Okay, go ahead. Ask me the important stuff then. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, if you need to go get your charger, go get it. I'll wait. Okay. I'm not in a hurry. Seriously. Okay, all right. Ah, shit. It doesn't even matter. Sticks. Uh, yes, sticks. Look at you. Yeah, we were talking about sticks. Why I- you went to Vader because Zil- Zildjian bought Vic Firth. Yeah, and I, nothing wrong with Zilda sticks. I mean, they're big first sticks. I love them. That's all I play. play. I started playing Promark, mm-hmm. and I, I was in one of their ads in Modern Drummer back in 1987. They used to uh, have local artists send pictures of themselves and playing the sticks. Right. And so I happened to be doing a sold-out show at the Rainbow Music Hall with uh, General Public, who was... Tears of a clown, scoffing from the mod era. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, God, the name escapes me. Uh, but they were real popular. So I had this really cool, I had blonde hair at the time, you know, <laughs> fucking rock face going on. And, they, <laughs> and they, uh, they they took that picture and used it in the ad. So I was a Promark player for a long time. But what I found out was I was playing the Oak Sticks. And I love Promark. Love them to death. They're all my friends. I was playing the Oak Sticks. And for me, the Oak Sticks were too hard. Right. They, they had very little give to them. And a stick, like a cymbal, like a head, needs give to it. And so that's what I went over to Vic. Started playing Vic for sticks, you know. And yep. now I'm with Vic here. I totally dig the Bader sticks. They've been great to me, you know. Now, is, the sti- is your Bob Rupp signature stick, is that going to be... Anybody can get it, or is that just well, exclusively it's a 1A for you? with my logo on it. That's all it gotcha. is. Gotcha, gotcha. One A nylon. I play nylon too. I, I do. I do as well. Um, and he, we were, yeah, we were talking about how you you were kind of shocked, like everybody else, that I play a five A. <laughs> that's a in my book. That's called a pencil. <laughs> or a, stir, a stir a stir straw. <laughs> well, here's well, the deal. I, I do drink a lot of coffee, so. <laughs> I think that. Once again, I'm opinionated, but I'm, but I've been doing this forever, like 42 years in the industry. Is that 
a smaller stick if you're playing hard metal mm -hmm. or whatever you're playing you have to grip it pretty hard to keep control of the stick right so i play hard too you know i'm bam bam but i barely touch my sticks to my fingers i just make sure they're controlled right you know like this or if, you, if you're playing traditional like that um i make sure that they're uh loose in my fingers because I, I don't get any blisters at all and with a smaller stick to speak volumes to your audience you have to hold them tighter a larger stick can do all the work for you and you don't have to hold on to them too tight now and then i use a thing called gorilla snot if the snick is normally i'll shave the lacquer off the back the back of the stick I have, right i had to i had to do that the i went to um get some sticks about two weeks ago and they were out of the nude so i just grabbed the los angeles 5a and sanded the backs of them off yeah so i used to do that i don't do it too much anymore i use a thing called gorilla snot uh but you know you can just play and you can play all over the place between symbols and do all these fancy tricks or whatever they are and the stick does all the work because it's so long i can just control it I, right and i my, my wrists my fingers and my elbows i can control it as opposed to using my arm which you'll get exhausted doing that so that's why i play a longer and bigger stick only because it's easier for me to play right this is just about me not if, if somebody else plays a 5a and plays metal more power to you I think, I, I, think, I think you're gonna wear yourself out. How high do you how high do you keep your symbols up? Uh, about my eye level. They're not yeah. very high at all. They're not very you high. Guys at all. had these symbols up like that, laying symbols up here, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Your Fourteen feet tired. in the air. Your arm gets tired, no matter what you're holding up there. Oh you're yeah. Tire your arm and restrict your your proper blood flow. All these guys are all doing like this. They're wearing themselves out. No, oh, yeah. More power to them. They can do that. I can't do it. If they can't, great. But I keep everything within an arm's reach. That way I can get to it simply. You know? I, I do the same thing. It's it's one of the biggest reasons why I never play more than one rack tom. Because if I play yeah. more than one rack tom, I can't get right where I want it. One. Yep. <laughs> I'll have 14 floor toms, but I'm only going to have one rack because that I way I can put my ride right there. I used to be 16, 18. And then after I kind of got older and when I got sick, I went to 14, 16. Mm -hmm. So you can test these down. That's the 14. That's the 16. They sound fast. Yep. Both of my both of my rigs are 14, 16 floors. The two that have the uh, my Gretsch rig is a 14, 16, and my new rig that I'm getting painted for a tour I have coming up in June, which I'm going to tell you about in a second. Uh, I'm getting it repainted, and it's 14, 16 floors. I had a rig that had 16, 18, and I hated them. Because well, I couldn't get to I couldn't get to eighteen to sound good. Right, that's the problem. Um, first off, it's a heavy drum to carry, and I don't have a roadie. I don't know about you, but I don't have a roadie. Uh -uh. No, you know? I don't. And when I used to tour, it was just me, so I kept it real light. You know, one rack. Generally, it was one floor on tour, just because of the room in the van. Yeah. But now it's two. But you can say a lot with two. You can roar. You can get people's attention with two of them. Oh, absolutely, you can, and and especially if they're tuned right, because my fourteen doesn't sound like a fourteen. Yeah, it's it's low and boomy like yours is. That's uh, to me. That sounds great. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh shit! To me, it sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> All my drum kits sound the same. Now upstairs, I have a practice kit, 
That is awesome. Uh, it's that. Did you see the Ludwig New Sonic kit at Nam? Uh, was it the was it the salmon colored one that you showed me? That's mine. I bought yeah, that you. From the floor. Yeah, that's the one you bought from the floor. I remember you telling me you bought it. Yeah. So that bass drum sounded great. It had a Remo Power Stroke on it. Boy, it sounded good. But I wanted it for a practice kit. So right. I have a loft that's two stories up. That is sort of my. This is my man cave, and then upstairs is my man cave. Everything else is the wife house, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, I took Remo. I think they're called silent sonic heads or mesh heads. Mm-hmm. That's what they call them. And I can't I remember the Remo. name, but I know what you're talking about. They're black, right? No, they're, no, no, the white heads. They're mesh. White oh, heads. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Or something like that. And so they're mesh heads, and I have that on the kit upstairs. And I have the Sabian quiet tone symbols, the ones that are very quiet. Yep. The stainless steel ones we made. Yeah. All the holes drilled to keep the. And man, when I practice upstairs, I'm almost freer than practicing down here, because I can. My my wife can be home. I can still play the drums. They, right. The heads that have a killer rebound to them, and the symbols they just sound great. You know, they're stainless steel. Awesome. Now those those quiet tones are cool. I obviously I I was all in the the Sabian booth at Nam and I got to see all that stuff. But I had saw seen them saw them proper English there, pal. I had seen them somewhere. I don't remember if it was at Mom's or at Guitar Center before I even came to Nam. Oh, uh, I don't remember who had them or somebody ordered them. I know that I I saw them and I played them because I remember Zildjian had come out with theirs and Mom's had some and then. Sabian came out with theirs. I don't know who was first, and that's irrelevant, but I remember playing both oh, they, of them, and I like the Sabians better. We, uh, Zildjian's really good at, like, taking what we make and making it th- themselves, like, <laughs> and we come out with a product, and then the next man, Minel 2, they have the same product, you know, whatever, beside the point. Uh, but Zildjian did make a great thing. Uh, that came out of their uh, electronic drum foray they went, went into for a while there. Oh, gotcha. Symbols, and I forget the name of it, but uh, those symbols were great. But they are a, uh, it's not a uh, normal alloy. It might be a B8 or even a different alloy completely. Right. We made ours out of stainless steel. Gotcha. Stainless steel, you automatically think strong and they're going to sound great and look great, and they do. Yeah. I don't have one down here, they're all upstairs. Man, they sound great, and they're not loud. They're but they still have a beautiful tone to them. Yep. No, they're they're definitely cool, and it's I, I like it that the the acoustic side of drums is trying to do more to make better practice options because the rubber yeah. pads suck. I hate them. Yeah. I've always hated them. I've hated them forever. Yeah. They just they and everybody's like, well, you're you're doing the muscle memory. Yes, you are, and I get that. But still, there's a point where it needs to at least sound decent, like an actual drum set. Well, get you know, go, go get one of those mesh heads. Evans makes them too. They make great ones as well, you know. And uh, just put them on a put 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 them on a tom or on a snare, and like you'll you'll be astounded how I'm not saying better you play, but you can hear what you're doing a little bit cleaner. Is that right? <laughs> got like a lot of interference because the sounds are going everywhere. You don't have the tone head or the practice head, you can distinct better distinction. Right. 
Well, and and it's it's cool to be able to clean stuff up because I've been ironically you're talking about that. I've been focusing a lot on that lately because I when I was at Nam the day because you left Saturday, you went home early, correct? They told us to go home early. I was shocked. Oh, did they? Yeah. Um, well, that Saturday I ran into. Thankfully, I got to run into Seven Antonopoulos, which was awesome. Yeah. And he uh, he was he was very very cool. He goes, "You're you're a fan of mine." I said, "Yeah." And he looked at my badge and he said, "Well, you know we're brothers, right?" And I said, "Well, yeah, of course I do, but you're still phenomenal, so I'm your fan." And he goes, "Okay, well I'll be your fan too." <laughs> Yeah, was one of the nicest guys, man. You know. Oh, he was—he was awesome. But when I was at Nam, I ran into um, a singer that I've been a fan of for years. Her name's Delana. She was on Rockstar Supernova uh, years ago, and she's done some stuff, and she lives in Europe. But I, long story short, and I already did a podcast about it. Uh, I end. I'm going on tour with her in June. She nice. actually, yeah, she hired me. So I've been doing. All the research I've done and all the wormholes and rabbit holes and all the music that I've dived into of her stuff and everything else, a lot of the drummers get close to what she has on her records. And Adrian Young, from No Doubt, played all her drum parts oh, on her records. killer, man. Yeah, killer drummer. But he's super, super clean. He's a very clean drummer. So I've been watching all these videos and stuff, and the the guys that she's hired are, are phenomenal drummers. I'm not slamming on any of them, but they they're playing Adrian's parts kind of sloppy. You know what I mean? So I've been working on cleaning up a lot of that stuff to make sure I play pretty much what Adrian played on the records. Right. So right. That Good. I tell you all that so I can that getting some of those heads for about the next month because we don't leave until June. Getting those heads for about about a month might actually do me some some extra good because I've already started cleaning up a lot of it. Well, you'll be surprised. Now I practice on my regular kit here. I got the DW kit here, and I got a Ludwig kit in the corner that's a different color but the exact same size as this kit. Right. So I can ha I can get to my sound right away. Right. And so I do a lot of work down here on my kit. And then when I'm done, I go upstairs to my practice kit in my loft and continue on. Oh, nice. You know, and continue on. So I'm trying to play an hour a day. I don't know if I do or not, but I'm trying to. But you sort of get get the kinks out here and go upstairs. And on the practice kit, man, you go, wow, this I, I can do this now, you know? Yep. Because it doesn't lie, <laughs> you know? Well, that's that's definitely true. Whenever you get into the situation where you you can hear everything clearly, and you're working on, for in in my case, for example, working on that cleanliness and being crisp and precise, and you can hear everything, you go, "Oh shit, that's not what's supposed to be played right there." Right, you're right, <laughs> you're right, man. That's not what's going on. So, so I don't keep you too much longer. What what's next for you? What do you got coming up? Where are you uh, flying to? And the reason I ask where you're flying to is because I love the pictures of your stick bag in every damn airport. It makes I me know, happy. I know. Well, <laughs> they, they, cut our, they cut my travel, all, all of our travel budgets back by a little bit of money. Um, so, uh, you know, I have to travel right. And I just can't go go someplace that I'm not really needing. You know, so I'm right. going to Chicago drum shows coming up. I'll be there, which is a spectacular event. Very cool. Oh, I, it's yeah. one of my things that my next trips that I want to try to do because I've never been to Anaheim. That was my first Anaheim, and now well, I want to go to the Chicago Drum Show because I see it every year. It's spectacular. I do. I always sell out the entire booth. Everybody knows me there. Uh, the Hollywood Drum Show spectacular. Um, 
There's a PASIC, the Percussive Art Society show, which is great because it's all just drummers. So yep. there's a lot of shows all the year. That's my job to go to them. I don't travel to dealers as much anymore unless I'm requested to go in the train. So I right. train at guitar centers. I train Sweetwater. I train Ash. Uh, I'm training at a company called Z Sounds uh, in a few weeks, which is in Chicago. They're online-only retailer. So I gotcha. go in there and train. So, but I used to be out every week or every other week. Now it's been like one week a, a month right now. Then I'll, if the summer comes, I'll be more travel. Right. But, uh, anyway, I want to show you, share something with you here. Absolutely. So because I've been in, in the Denver music scene for like 42 years, and when I started playing, original music was very limited here. Right. And I started playing in these bands that played only originals, and we go into these clubs that played regular top 40 stuff or whatever, and we'd take, play originals, and wow, the club and the club would slowly change. So for right. years, that's all I did. So this is all within the last year. The, the Denver mayor, the mayor of Denver, proclaimed me a Bob Rupp Day. Oh, nice. Yeah, this is by the mayor of Denver. That's badass. At my own day. Okay. That was pretty cool. That was a ceremony and everything. What's and the date? April 9th. So April 9th is Bob Rupp Day in sorry, Denver. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. December 9th. I'm sorry. December 9th. So then, I have really good friends of mine that that work in Antarctica. They're one of those, those people who get down there for like eight months. Right. And so, the one friend of mine was a drummer, and he took my Vader sticks down to the exact South Pole. I that? saw that picture. Yeah, that's the exact South Pole, and that's the first time that's ever happened, and probably the last. Right. Okay. <laughs> so then, last weekend. Because, once again, of all the work I've done in the Denver music scene, between Rupstrums and all the bands I was in, and I used to put on big festival concerts, I did 10 or 11 festival concerts, and then I did a lot of club shows. Um, Colfax Avenue in Denver is one of the long, longest avenues in the world. As has right. all these clubs. I used to play every club up and down Colfax. And so they have a Colfax Avenue museum. They just opened up uh, two weeks ago. And... They inducted me into the Museum Hall of Fame. This is kind of hard to see, but it's my name, my Vader stick, and my hands in cement. See if you can see that. Oh, very cool. That is Isn't awesome. That cool? Yep. That, cool? that was last weekend. So the problem is when – here's part of the problem. I've done a whole lot of interviews recently with drum magazines, uh, <laughs> blogs like this, um, because when I got cancer, like four years ago, my time was limited. You know, right. I was kind of given two years to live, kind of. Uh, and here I am four years later doing really well, alive and well. Right. And so initially, people wanted to get to me because they thought my time was running out. <laughs> you know, it was true. I did a right. NAM interview. The first, the first NAM I went to after I'd gotten sick, I shouldn't have gone to because I was still pretty sick when I went. I went to say goodbye to everybody because I figured I wouldn't last past April. And right. so the NAM committee pulled me into this room and did a two-hour interview with me like we're doing right now, you know, just to get my story into their archives. That's crazy. That's crazy. But, you know, I'm a real positive guy. Uh, I'm one of these guys, and I'm not going to get into a cancer thing. But if you get cancer, listen to your fucking doctor. <laughs> I have a lot of friends that have died, 
doing holistic stuff, what I call hippie crap, and I was a hippie at one time. Nothing kills cancer except chemo and radiation, period. Right. And I believe you, I've become an expert on this. When I got sick, I was like, holy shit, here I am. I was as bald as you were at one time. I was that even balder. I lost all, all my, I lost everything, man. Eyelashes, eyebrows. I have barely any chest hair. I have no armpit hair right now. But man, when I got sick and that, and I got that sick and that bald, I thought I was doomed. And then all of a sudden, I started getting better. And my right. hair started growing back. Now I have, I still have some bald spots, but I had lots of radiation shot into my brain that fried my hair. And right. I had a lot of chemo that, that, you know, made me, I lost a whole lot of weight. Uh, from the chemo because you don't eat, but I'm you know I hired a personal trainer now. I'm moving more. I've got a stationary bike upstairs that I get on every day and ride. Cause nice. I don't want to die. I don't want to die a, a weak guy. And a lot of people just give up. And then this guy, he ain't giving up. Fuck cancer. Jam <laughs> the torpedoes full speed ahead. Is my theory, you know. Well, and that's that's a good theory. And I remember while we're while I'm looking at your pretty face. I remember when you told me a couple years ago when everything went down, one of the things you told me, and you were adamant about it, you said, and I think if I quote this correctly, because I've got a new phone yeah. since then, but I think in a text you said, don't you fucking treat me any different. Yeah, I know. And I texted you back, people. I texted you back, and I said, I fucking won't. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, for the first year, barely anybody knew. I called key figures in my life, obviously, my family uh, and my close friends, and then right. some of the rock stars I've been been uh, around for years and years, like Bozio and you know guys like that. I called them and told them directly. Like Greg right. Bissonette, the weekend after I had gotten diagnosed, Greg Bissonette was in town doing a clinic that I set up. So he and I and Jim Udine from Dixon Drums all went to lunch, and I told Greg, I said, "Look, I'm going to tell you something that no one else in my industry knows." And I told him what was wrong with me. Right. And he's like, Holy, I've known Greg for like 35 years. And he's like, oh, my God. And so that night at the clinic, I was sitting at the bar with my wife drinking water because I just quit drinking beers completely, drinking water. And Greg goes, I'm going to bring up one of the most famous guys in the state to play some drums. And I'm looking around going, who's that? He goes, Bob, I'm like, what? What? So I went up there and there was two drum kits set up on stage that were set up like I do. Right. And I went, oh. So I sat down in the one closest to me and Greg goes, just start a groove and we'll change it up. So I started this very kind of fat backbeat thing. And then right. Greg goes, we're going to switch kits. I'm like, what? And I had to go, what? Get up, two, three, four, boom, and sit down, run over <laughs> the other kit, sit down. And he jumped on my kit. It was like, I have a video of it. It was amazing. And so uh, he was very supportive. Problem with a lot of people knowing you have cancer is that everybody wants to be a part of your healing. Right. They do. Everybody has some secret that uh, my uncle had this, and here's what he did. And yeah. So and so had this, and here's what he did. I'm not knocking anything. People can believe in whatever they want to believe in, and so be it. If you feel that makes you feel beat the cancer, more power to you. Right. I believe in my doctor. Because those guys know what they're doing. They, my doctor saved my life. When I got first diagnosed, I was probably a month away from dying. And I went. I first went in, and they saved my life. They got another year out of me. And they sent me off somewhere else. It's another specialist. 
and I'm there every every third Monday getting chemo, and they saved my life again. Damn. You know, if I hadn't done anything, I would have died. You wouldn't be so, here. And I listen to you. Anybody out there listening, do what your doctor says. If you don't go to the doctor, you die. That simple. Well, true. That's yeah. The the odds are not in your favor if you do nothing. No, I mean everybody has their own thing. I got friends that just they they pray and they uh, have their little prayer groups. You're still gonna die, you know. Yep. Uh, I got a, my one of my wife's customers. She's a hairstylist. Gave me a bag of dirt <laughs> from some Indian reservation, like in New Mexico or something, and it was holy dirt. Now look, the holy dirt I know is in my backyard where my dog crap. <laughs> I go back there and I go, holy shit, you know? <laughs> That's the only holy dirt I know. And the and the and the label said, you know, uh, don't don't eat this dirt. And I'm like this, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> or don't drink this dirt. Oh shit. You know, like what? And then it's right. like up dirt on the cancer. It's in my brain. What's wrong with you? And so, but people, they give you these weird things. A, a drummer who makes a custom drum in our industry, I'm not going to mention his name or his drum company, he makes a nice custom drum. And I ran into him at a, uh, at a stick show, and he brought me and uh, Todd Zuckerman, he brought e- each of us a Indian feather and a seashell, you know, and it rolled up in a, in a leather cloth of some sort. And he gave this big speech to Todd and a big speech to me and he was all drunk out of his mind. It was crazy. And I'm not gonna <laughs> Todd and I was like this. What is going on? And but you had to you had to like get involved with it because you didn't want to insult the guy. Right. He was, he was drunk and it, my people, you know, you're a white guy from the suburb. What do you mean you're people? <laughs> whatever. 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 And so he presented us with a, a feather that represented life or something. I don't know what. And no, it was a bald eagle feather. I'm like, where do you get a bald eagle feather? Where are you pulling feathers on a bald eagle? What's wrong with you? And then he had a little, had a little seashell that had been, you know, washed through the oceans for probably, you know, half a million years or so. And he goes, and this seashell, you know, whatever it is for life, he goes, just keep this with you at all times. I'm like, I'm going to throw this out the window of the car when I'm leaving Red Rock. I'm throwing it out the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, dude, and that's, I mean, everybody's got a solution for me, and that's okay. You, you have to welcome it. You have to bite your tongue because they think they're doing your good. And Absolutely. They, but they're, all you're doing is driving me crazy because I know it's not going to work. <laughs> spent, you spent all this time on getting fucking bald eagle feathers. What the hell? <laughs> Just, if you want to help, you donate to a cancer society, uh, you know, charity. That's what you do. <laughs> no, fair, fair enough. I just thought it was funny because that was one of when you told me that was one of the first things you said. You said, "Don't you fucking treat me any different." Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I haven't, but I did manage to piss you off because I was giving you shit about being bald. How bald is beautiful, and you weren't having that though. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not a good-looking bald man, and I had gained. I had gained. I've always been around 150, 145 my weight, and I went up to 185 for now. I was a pudgy fucker. Yeah. I look like Uncle Fester, you know, walk around and uh, and then so that's when I was really pissed off at how I looked because uh, I was never heavy, but right. they, they give you steroids so you don't have a stroke, and so right. I was on heavy steroids 
And I went to Nam all pudgy and Carmine a piece wall and stuff. He goes, when did you get fat? <laughs> said, well, I've always been like skinny guy. And Carmine, it's the steroids. I told you over the phone it's the steroids. Oh, yeah, right. But I had to explain. <laughs> I, and I was wearing a hat because I'd lost all my hair and I wasn't used to being bald yet. So I was wearing hats. And so that's when I looked the goofiest. But I got through it. And you know, I'm, uh, I'm, now I'm fine. My hair's growing back and you know, my, my weight's down to where it should be. You know, I started, you know, the problem is people don't eat. Once they get on cancer, they lose their appetite. Right. So the steroids got me bigger knowing I'd lose a lot of weight, which was good. So they pumped me up to 185 and they took me down to 140. <laughs> <You know? laughs> wow. I had to go shopping all the time. <laughs> I don't fit anymore, honey. <laughs> I'm tired of all this shopping shit. Well, yeah. as far as you look now, I have I have a, a, a mini tradition on my show. You ready? Yeah. Oh, my God. You're so cute. <laughs> you know, that's your tradition every time we talk on the phone <laughs> well there there is that too there's that there is that so dude i, I wanna i wanna say thank you for a, a couple things one for always being so amazing to me always putting up with my shitty questions and my silly questions and for for making me a sabian artist because that is all your fault and it's a, yeah. a fault of a good thing. I am yeah. so happy with my Sabians. I love them very much. Well, so you're I just, part of the, you're part of the family. I like, am. Like, like Seven came up to you and said, we're brothers. Yep. That's the yep. Sabian attitude. We're, part, we're all part of the same family. And so here's a side note. Side note. If you know any younger drummers that are monsters at their age, mm -hmm. get a hold of me. Because okay. I'm looking right now for young drummers Preteen, teen, late teen, and in the early twenties that are monsters because we need younger players. Right. Because if you look at the industry we're in, all the great players from our era and my area back in the sixties are aging. Yep. And half my old, half the drummer friends I have are from that era. You know. Yep. But I'm trying to get new people. I've signed a bunch of bands. I signed the Struts. Great. Thank you again. That. Light bulb. Thank you for turning me on to them. They are so fucking good. I did a, I did a like half of one of my episodes a few months ago was talking about when I went to see them. They were unbelievable. Great band. They control the crowd like this. They walked on the stage. And you went, oh, here it comes. Oh yeah, and absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big glam fan from the '70s, mm -hmm. so I was I was hanging out with Luke in the uh, green room before he went on one show, and I said I listened to a lot of Mata Hoople, and I think you probably did too. He goes, don't tell anybody. <laughs> they were like the best glam band ever. But, you know, they're re reminiscent of glam uh, and, and some 80s rock. But they're the best rock band in the world today, aside from the Foo Fighters, is the Struts. I would agree with that. Their, their show blew me away. Blew and the Struts, the, or the Foo Fighters, took the Struts out on the road with them. So they're touring together. They and, may not and, be now, but no, they were for and, a minute. Uh, Dave... Uh, from the Foo Fighters, uh, the drummer, um, Taylor Hawkins. Yeah, I'm sorry, no, the singer. Uh, oh, Dave Grohl. Dave, uh, Dave Grohl. I'm sorry, my memory's not that good sometimes because of all the shit that's going on. Dave <laughs> Grohl recently, in public, called them the best opening band he's ever had. I I saw that. I read that somewhere. I don't remember where I read that, but I read that. Just great. I have a Struts uh, sign symbol up in my room because I I signed uh, I signed uh, the Struts drummer. Uh, I, I knew I was going to sign him before I saw him live because I'd bought the record. 
and right. I'm so addicted to it. So when they came on stage, it was like, oh, because you know he controls the crowd so well with his moves and all the hand stuff, you know. Oh um, yeah. So Geth, the drummer, we went into the green room before he went on, and I looked at him and said, "Who's where's the drummer?" He goes, "Right here. You're Geth. You'll be a saving artist after you get off stage." <laughs> he was playing only Zildjian, and so. I called our artist guy, Chris Stanky in the West Coast, and said, hey, I got this band called The Struts. They're going to be huge. You just trust me on this. Whenever he comes in, I set him in to get some symbol, give him whatever right. he wants. And we did. And now he's now he has the right symbols he wants. He cracked a couple. Um, I have an autographed symbol of the whole band up in my office. Nice. I think they're going to be the best rock band in years right now. I, I would agree. Radio's changed, so it's not as much of it out there. You got to find it sometimes. You know? True, true. Terrestrial radio is has definitely changed, but it's. I, I would agree with that statement. They're they're phenomenal. I think they're coming back to Louisville. I want to say in May, the end of May. Um, but no, as yeah. as far as the struts, they are awesome, and I will keep my eye out for some young drummers. There's a couple in town that I've I've been kind of watching anyway. Um, because you know, or you might not know, I don't know if you know, you know, I stopped teaching, right? Yeah. Okay. I, th I thought, you knew. I wasn't sure. So I don't see as much of it as I used to, but there's a couple guys in town. So I will, I will send them your way. I'll, I'll yeah. send, uh, I'll Dan, give them your email in, address. Damn, I brought in four young drummers. They were all sensational, like sensational drummers that would just sit down and play. Right. Four in at Nam, And I was at a saving day recently. I forget where, somewhere. And it, they were talking about this young kid who could play drums like like a phenomenon. So they had him up on the screen. They you know had his videos up on the screen, and we're watching it. And he just happened to walk in the door. Didn't know there, they didn't know there's a Sabian guy there. Uh, he walked at the door and he walked over to the kit that was set up and started playing. And I was like this. Oh, oh my God! What is what was his name was uh, R J Williams, and it was like he was a phenomenon right out of the gate. Right. I'm like, you're, you're signed to save you. Because uh, <laughs> that, that kid is going to be a monster. Nice. Monster. How old is he now? Well, he's 14. Oh, nice. This was recently. This was like two, three weeks ago. He's awesome. Just stunningly beautiful drummer. Oh, that, that makes me happy when they're that young and they're, they're just mind-blowing. That makes yeah. me so happy. Yeah, we brought on four from Dam. You know, so... Nice. Very cool. Well, dude, I appreciate you taking the time to, yeah. to hang out with me and Happy. I get to see your pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I will put, um, I will put, if it's cool with you, I'll put your Facebook link in the show notes sure, of this totally. episode sure. so people can follow you and see what you're doing. Sure. And, uh, edit it down to the pertinent stuff, you know? Oh yeah. It'll be, I this show will be like five minutes long. I don't mind talking about my health at all. You know, oh, if no, it no. helps anybody else that's just got cancer, go yep. to your fucking doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and listen to them. And listen to them and do what they say. And holy dirt doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many more I can talk about, but I'm not going to. You know, there's <laughs> <of> shit. <laughs> Bob, I love your face, man. I love appreciate it, brother. It's great. Great seeing you. You too, man. I will talk to you soon. Take care. <laughs> Alright brother, thank you Hey guys, this is Steve Owens from Fascination Street Podcast here with a very important message I'm awesome 
I bet you thought I was going to say something else. But nope. What's important here is that I am awesome. I have a podcast called Fascination Street, and it allows me to bring to my listeners some of the most fascinating stories and guests. I started this show because I truly believe that everybody has a story, and I'm fascinated to hear those stories. In the short time I've been doing this show, I've interviewed actors, directors, writers, inventors, podcasters, musicians, pro athletes, Olympic athletes, actual war heroes, even a Bond girl and a luthier, whatever the hell that is, and of course, regular people. From people who wanted to be stars but never gave it a real try, to big company CEOs and people who got to meet their favorite president. I love getting to meet and speak with people who have a story to tell. I feel like everyone does, and it's my job to get them to tell it. You never know who my next guest will be. An Academy Award-winning actor, a platinum-selling musician, or your own mother-in-law. But one thing is for certain, you will be fascinated by their story. So come take a walk with me down Fascination Street. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course, FascinationStreetPod.com. Well, that's it, kids. That's the show for the week. I hope you guys dug it. Hope you got something out of it. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope my drummer buddies geeked out a little bit like I did when I was talking to Bob. He's just a, a wealth of knowledge, and it's awesome. And like he said to me in a text once, don't you fucking treat him any different. He's an awesome dude. He has kicked cancer's ass. He's kicked life's ass. No grass has grown under his feet, and he should be an inspiration to us all. Me, especially, because I just I, I love that damn man. He's awesome. So that's it. I'm out of here. I'm going to go do some shit myself. I got more songs to learn and all kinds of good stuff. And uh, again, as I said at the beginning of this, make sure that you keep the ratings and the reviews coming. I appreciate them and I read them all. You guys are awesome. Thank you again for your support. I'm coming up on a year and a half with this show that I didn't think was going to make it past three months. So you guys are the bomb and I appreciate it. And that's it. I'm out of here. And as I say... At the end of every episode, go do some shit. Seriously, beat it. Get the fuck out of here. Go practice. Go go get round things that take up space, as Bob calls them. I, I really have the overwhelming desire to go buy another drum kit. So, uh, yeah, you guys should go buy more drums. Buy more gear. Buy more instruments. Go play something. Go learn to play an instrument. Go practice some more. Go do whatever the fuck you gotta do. Just go do something. Go do some shit. So, until next time... I will talk at you soon.